turn. crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. another exciting episode of the fire and water podcast a proud member of the fire and water podcast network i'm one of your hosts the irredeemable shag along with me as always is my co-host the man who's walking on water mr rob kelly how you doing buddy you know shag it occurs to me that uh, between the jerry conway interview you did and then the guest appearance by paul spataro about the squadron supreme and your the debut of your jli Bwahaha podcast we have not actually done a show together in like a month it's been really nice, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I while I am sure that you will annoy the living hell out of me before we get to the first commercial break, <laughs> I, I'm happy to be here with you, my friend. Well, uh, that makes one of us, so that's fantastic, Doug. I'm, that's really great to hear. Thanks. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. So as we get into this, you know, um, Rob just mentioned a whole bunch of shows. We should talk a little bit about the network for just a second. Just a reminder, folks, you know, the Fire and Water Podcast, we're on episode 161 wow. of the show. I know. Can you believe it? And we've rebranded the name of the show a little bit. This is now the Aquaman and Firestorm Fire and Water Podcast, just to help distinguish with the feed. But if you're still getting this show through the old feed that you've been getting all along, just so you know, you can also, or rather, whichever you prefer, pick up this show on its own iTunes feed. You can go out to iTunes, search for Fire and Water Podcast. It'll come up. Or search for Aquaman and Firestorm. Same thing will come up. You'll see the one that has the Aquaman and Firestorm logo. That's this show. And that feed will give you just the Aquaman and Firestorm episodes. Just want to put it out there, let you know. And as we go through this episode, and I say a lot of really hyper-intelligent things, and Rob says pretty much a bunch of nonsense, please go on the social media. It's comment. opposite day. <laughs> well, pull back the curtain for just a second. By the time this recording is over, it will be April Fool's Day. Um, That's true. That's true <laughs> um, while you're on the social medias, please use the hashtag of pound FW podcasts. It has an S on the end of that. That will help all the uh, other listeners find your comments. Again, we can all comment on how wrong Rob is. So, so I mentioned how long the show has been going, right? We started this in September, 2011. That's what is that? Five, five almost five years, four and a half whatever. years now. Yeah. Yep. And when we started, you know, we joke about this. Our characters were nowhere for the most part. I mean, they had just kind of been resurfaced in brightest day. But that was about it. And now, um, let's just see. Last week, 
we saw Aquaman on the big screen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know you've, we had a whole episode on BVS, but what, what did you think of the Aquaman cameo? Uh, I thought it was terrific. Like, I genuinely thought it was terrific. I mean, I was going to find any Aquaman cameo in a movie exciting, of course, but I actually genuinely liked the scene. I thought it was well done. It made him look mysterious. It looked He looked all pissed off, which is very true to the Aquaman character. Uh, I thought it looked great. I, there, there's a, the shot of him with his glowing eyes. I thought it was really oh. cool. So it was... Not only was it great because it was an Aquaman cameo, period, but I genuinely thought it was the best cameo of all the ones in that sequence. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. And now, were they glowing eyes or reflective eyes? I uh, thought they were reflective, like an eel. Oh, maybe they were reflective. Either way, though, just that, that thing of where you just see the two dots. Uh, I thought <sighs> was that menacing. was terrific. Yeah, it was creepy and weird and... Yeah, I loved it. I thought I was so excited. I I, I saw it with uh, Darlin Tracy and my nephew, and my nephew sitting next to me. And when that scene came up, he just kind of looked over at me because he knew <laughs> I was so like, "Oh my god, it's not going." And I, then I was super excited to just through the end credits to literally see the word Aquaman on the screen. It says Aquaman Jason Momoa. It wasn't like you know they didn't try to be cutesy and yep. be like you know undersea guy or water <laughs> guy. It was there. It was. Aquaman on the big screen. Unbelievable. Fantastic. We were punching. I saw my 16-year-old stepson, and we were punching the air during that scene. We were so excited. And then the end credits, I saw the Aquaman punch the air again. And then, totally on a different side, under the, the thanks, Jerry Conway's name was in there. Oh, there's a ton of names in there. there yeah. Were, there were names I did not expect, especially Jim Aparo's name. I thought that was a little surprising. I was, yeah, it was, that was great to see so many people that we've grown up with thanked on a movie screen that was terrific some of which we've even talked to mm-hmm. and then uh it, you know we just talked about aquaman where he is now firestorm is on a weekly television show now which is insane and i i love the combination of professor stein and uh jefferson jackson they they've, they've really captured that dynamic of like the impulsive action guy with professor stein's intelligence and it's it's been wonderful I, of course i wish i could see more firestorm on the show you know we get a lot of stein and 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 jackson or jacks as they call him not as much firestorm but whatever they got so, a lot of characters on that show yeah they got a lot of stuff they got to do but man just what a time to be fans this yeah. is amazing yeah so well folks uh, before we get much further we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor Folks, the Fire and Water podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders at $50 or more. What you got, buddy? Uh, well, we've really had Jerry Conway on the brain lately between the fact that uh, his character, you know, Firestorm's on TV, and then uh, you did that really terrific interview with him. He's always a really great interview. Uh, so I, I thought I'd pick something basically just because Jerry wrote it. And Jerry, Jerry wrote lots of stuff, of course. He's yes, written, he did. He's written every conceivable character. But I picked Justice Society Volume 1, which collects All-Star Comics numbers 58 through 67, plus the origin of the JSA from DC Special number 29. Now, he didn't write that particular story, DC, number, uh, DC Special 29, but it doesn't matter. This is a great collection, and it was like the return of the JSA after the sort of quasi-retirement. The writers are, as I said, Jerry Conway with also Paul Levitz. The artists are Wally Wood... Joe Staten, Rick Estrada, one of my like unsung favorites, Rick Estrada, Keith Giffen, and Bob Layton. The cover is Brian Bolland. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and twenty-four pages. Normal price fourteen ninety-nine. Instant trades price eight dollars and twenty-four cents. You cannot beat that. That is a super super great book. Those were really fun comics. So that's completely worth it for eight bucks. Can't beat it. 
Was that volume one or volume two, you said? Volume one. Okay, there's also a volume two out there. Uh, I, I have both of them. I've, I've got the uh, single issues, I've got duplicates of the single issues, and I've got the trade paperbacks. <laughs> I just love those so very much. Um, I, oddly enough, also picked a Jerry Conway comic. I guess it's really not that odd, is it, folks? But I picked uh, sort of a different one. I, I was trying to think of stuff that Jerry has written more recently for DC Comics, so I picked The Last Days of Animal Man. And this was a trade paperback that, uh, well, started off as a six-issue miniseries, which came out in maybe 2010, 2008? Ooh, I can't remember exactly. But it was the first time Jerry had written for DC in a long time. And it's a really cool story. It, it's about Buddy Baker, Animal Man, in the far future. It takes place in the year 2024. And he's middle-aged, and he's his powers are starting to kind of get all hinky on him. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And he comes up across some uh, some foes and has to deal with those. There's some great subplots dealing with his wife, Ellen. Uh, there's also a subplot dealing with Starfire and a little romantic possibility there with him and Animal Man. Uh, I mean, it's her and Animal Man. And uh, overall, it's a great story. And again, written by Jerry Conway, art by Chris Batista. Uh, cover art by, take a wild guess. Brian Ballin. Brian Ballin. <laughs> In fact, some of it is the uh, sort of mirroring the old Animal Man covers he did for Grant Morrison all those years ago. 144 pages, full color, normally goes for $17.99. You can get it for 45% off right now. It's only $9.89. And folks, let me tell you, it's a hell of a read. Because Jerry Conway, and I'm going to mention this again in a minute, is the master of the three-act structure. Not only does each issue have the perfect three-act structure, the miniseries itself had a wonderful three-act structure. And he just, every issue you felt like you got... A full story. You got your money's worth. And uh, it's such a satisfying read. It's great. Especially for us old fogies who are going into middle age <laughs> Jerry, you can send your check to Fire and Water Podcast <laughs> at... <laughs> for these and all your other trade paper rec needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Oof. All right, Rob. So, yeah, I got to tell you, I'm excited. Because over the course of this podcast, over the years, we've talked about some great comics. We've talked about some not-so-great comics. We had a few rough months there with Aquaman, <laughs> and I tell you what, it, we're, we're back to kicking on all thrusters here. I'm excited. I hope you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Uh, well, let's just jump right to it. We're talking about Aquaman number 50. Number Woo-hoo! 50, a uh, big sort of anniversary issue. This is uh, an extra long story, which is fun. Uh, it is by Dan Abnett. Who we now know is going to be the regular writer on the series. He's not just guesting. This is a—he's going to be writing the title when it starts over uh, with with a DC Rebirth. But we can get to that later. Actually, I got a question about Rebirth. If I can ask now. If, oh yeah, I, no, go ahead. Because I don't want to wait. You know me; I'm impatient. So with Rebirth, I know a lot of the books are going to be shipping twice monthly. Is Aquaman one of the twice monthlies or a yep. single? Yep. Really? Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Now it, it did occur to me today, and it's probably already occurred to you, I'm sure. I got a little heartbroken when I realized Aquaman's ending with issue 52 because, once again, we're not going to make it to issue 76, right? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. But maybe by coming out twice a month. I was thinking that. Maybe if they do that long enough, we'll get to 76 before somebody has the bright idea of starting the books over yet again. Well, when his when his movie comes out, they probably they probably yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, sorry to derail you. Let's talk about Aquaman number 50. Anyway, okay, yeah, this story is called Dead Water. It's by, as I mentioned, Dan Abnett. Guest penciler, pest penciler, sorry, is Brett Booth. Uh, guest inker is Norm Ratmund. Colorist is Andrew Dollhouse. And then there's like 19 other credits. Uh, the story opens with a uh, cop, uh, cops and some FBI agents investigating a shark attack. 
Now, that seems kind of strange. Why would the FBI get involved in a shark attack? Uh, well, that's because it took place on the roof of a skyscraper. <laughs> so what the hell's going on there? The FBI says, well, we're here because we're calling in an expert. That, of course, is Aquaman. We then cut to underwater where Aquaman is arriving at Spindrift Station. Uh, so uh, now if you're instead of this is a counselor ship, where's the ambassador? The ambassador, of course, is Mira. She's here to basically run the place. You like that little reference? It took me a second. I know, it took yes. a second. So I just wanted to do it just because it was an ambassador. So, uh, so she, as, uh, as we set up in the previous issue, uh, Mira is going to be the ambassador between the surface world and Atlantis. And this Spindrift Station, which is a great name. That sounds like the name of a kid series about Aquaman, Spindrift Station. But that's a whole other thing. So she's preparing for her speech to the assembled uh, dignitaries of the surface world and Mira and the uh, Atlantis. Aquaman shows up. They talk a little bit. He says, uh, look, I'm going to go off and help the FBI find out what's going on with this weird guy because the FBI thinks it's an Atlantean monster. There's a great little moment where Mira's like, why do they say it's an Atlantean monster? And Aquaman says, because whatever it is came from the sea. And the compelling evidence linking with Atlantis is, it came from the sea. Welcome to the world of surface logic. (laughs) So I like that. (laughs) So uh, anyway, uh, Aquaman, Aquaman and Mira Wait, are there, and the uh, the FBI agents arrive. They put on some underwater suits. They talk about the investigation. Aquaman figures through various different means, which we won't get into the nitty-gritty of it, that this creature is always going to be one step ahead because it, of course, as we saw in issue number 49, it can appear anywhere where there's water, even something as tiny as a faucet or a glass of water. So he's going to use himself as bait to lure the creature out of hiding. So he's there at a pool. He's got his trident. He's doing the voo 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 thing. Dead uh, water shows up, and he's a really nasty-looking demon creature. It kind of looks like one of the trench. Uh, does. Yeah, with a, with a longer kind of snake body. They go into this giant fight, which spills out into the city, and which in this case is Albany, downtown Albany. Uh, meanwhile, we cut back to Spindrift Station. We see that this is on news. It's uh, becoming a big story about what's going on with Aquaman. Garth is there. He suggests that maybe the uh, Mira should uh, issue some Atlantean support in terms of like an army. And she says, no, no, let's, let's wait. Let's see what this plays out. Aquaman continues to fight the uh, dead water. Does it, he stabs it with his trident. <laughs> he then starts sort of um, playing mind games with it. And he's saying, you know, you heard me. You heard my call and you came. You won't run with all that rage. You have that hunger because he's able to sort of pierce into its mind a little bit with his powers. The creature then shows up, drags him into some water that's on the ground, and he's in. Then all of a sudden, we're in this completely other universe, which is it looks like it's water, but it's completely black. Aquaman calls it the otherness. Uh, we read his thoughts, and he talks about that he can sense that there is a regular person inside this creature, and it is this other thing which he calls the otherness that has transformed it into this monster. Realizing that there is a regular person in here, he wants to try and save the creature. We cut back to the surface world. The FBI agents are wondering, geez, Aquaman's been down there for a really long time. Is he dead? Of course not. He comes out of the water with the guy separated from the creature. He says, we can still save his life. We're going to bring him back to Atlantis. And then we cut back to Spindrift Station where Mira is giving her talk to everybody. These Again, the assembled dignitaries. And she's a hit. She's a giant hit. She's self-deprecating. She's funny. She's relaxed. She is just – everyone loves her. And then the final page of the story is the helicopter. The FBI agents are flying Aquaman back to Spindrift Station. He's watching Mira's speech on a little iPad. 
She compliments him about uh, that Aquaman is the king of Atlantis. He's a member of the Justice League. He will continue to be what he has always been, a hero. Aquaman starts to blush. The FBI agents sort of tease him a little because he's so proud of his woman. And that is the end of the story. And then the tag for the next issue is Scavenger. So that's Aquaman number 50. Awesome. Now, one thing you didn't mention, unless I missed it, Mara declares herself to the surface world as Aqua Woman. I didn't mention that. Yeah, she she called, she says, you know, I'm Mira, but yeah, she she is in her role as Aqua Woman, and she appears in the Aqua Woman costume throughout the whole book. Which is wild because they they've spent so much time building Mara up as a strong character, and I'm wondering if I, I'm just curious where they're going with that. I don't think they're trying to destroy her credibility as an individual. I, I think it's going to be a story point of either her. Becoming even more an individual or showing this role of being an ambassador as Aquawoman but being Mara as a person, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think they're trying to give her like a dual identity, sort of. I mean, she makes a joke about it when they call her Aquawoman and Aquawoman first and she goes, there, I said it, Aquawoman, it's done, it's out there now. <laughs> so she's kind of like not completely Jake with that. But yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting angle to take. I don't want her just to be... An adjunct to him. I want you know she's always been her own character, her own you know. Uh, I don't I don't want to see her identity subsumed into just being his partner. But you know this is only one issue into the storyline, so I'm not going to jump on it and be like, oh, he shouldn't be doing this. I mean, it's an interesting role for her. I like the idea of there being this ambassadorship and there being this little midpoint between the two. Uh, the two worlds it's it's mm-hmm. for all the all the Atlantis shenanigans that have gone on with Aquaman for the last 50 years this is kind of a new angle uh, that Dan Abnett is doing and I like it I, I, I yeah and I just want to make perfectly clear I, I don't have any apprehension about the Aquaman story because I have confidence about this is going to go somewhere um, besides the fact that it's it's unfolding quite well. I also have complete faith in Dan Abnett. I've read a lot of his comics. I've read some of his novels. He's a fantastic writer, so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I have to say, this comic was very exciting for me. It proved that Dan Abnett listens to our podcast. Well, I, I, go go right, go right ahead. I don't I don't think I think you're assuming facts not in evidence, but, but. well, I, I did tweet him and ask him. He hasn't responded yet. But <laughs> there's a panel where the two FBI agents are talking about Mara, uh, or I'm sorry, Aquaman, whatever, and one of them uh, refers to her as hot, H A W T. Right, but so, we did, we didn't create that phrase. Um, I I think if you look in the lexicon of of uh, the of comic book fandom, I th- I think we were the first ones to ever declare a woman. <laughs> okay, sure. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. No, but, no, certainly not. But it is sort of a tagline for us. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I mean, hey, I would love of, it. Believe me, I'm not. I'm all for it if that's the case. But I'm just, I'm just sort of, you know. A little yeah, here's the line. Here we go. And she looked way hotter in that costume. He's not so bad, but she was hot. Yeah, one of the FBI agents thinks Aquaman is is hunky, and the other Aquaman agent thinks Mira is really gorgeous. Right. So yeah, I'm just saying. You know, if nothing else, I, I'll take it as a nod. To hey, it. you know but, what? I'm not sure why I'm being skeptical because it was the Aquaman shrine that named Salty the Aqua Dog. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Why not? Let, until Dan Abnett says no, let's take credit for it. <laughs> a few different things. All right, I have a research project for you. <laughs> oh, great. Do you recall when Dan Jurgens was writing Aquaman and the Others? They did a uh, DC did that Future's End September month, mm-hmm. where every comic jumped forward five years or something right, like that. Right. In there, uh, Aquaman and Mara are not together. Right. 
and Mara is on a surface world embassy. And uh, I want someone to look it up and find out if it's called Spindra Station or not. I, yeah, I, I mean, I reviewed the comic, so I'll go back and look it up. That's yeah, I mean, it's been yeah. a while. I wouldn't expect you to remember this. I'm just curious because that would be cool if he's pulling from that or if this is even, you know, sort of doing kind of what they did when Frank Miller wrote Dark Knight Returns. Everyone kind of pulled elements from that and then wove it into their own stories. You right, know? right. So it would be interesting. I, I love the idea of the embassy. Uh, I think it's very cool. I, and Mara being in charge of it, it's really a great way to use her. Yep. Very pleased with that. I liked how Aquaman's trident could sort of sense or communicate with the water and how Aquaman made a point that all kinds of water is different, which was – and he referred to pool water as dead. You know, me, uh, Right, right, right. And that makes perfect sense because, I mean, you know, we just think of water as water. But think about all the different gases and stuff that we breathe, you know, oxygen, nitrogen, all those things. And if, if the mixture is not right, we're going to notice Right. Mm-hmm. So the very fact that the water mixture is different. I mean, he, yeah, it would make perfect sense that he could kind of tune into that. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. They, they really are. The, the Trident has really become a big thing with him in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. for for younger fans, pre like the the superpowers figure, the Trident was not a thing. It really was not. I mean, and now you don't practically see a drawing with him without the Trident. Well, and, and even even after superpowers for twenty years. With, until Jeff Johns started writing the character, the trident was just there to be pretty. Yeah. You know, it just looked cool as a cool accessory. made him look kingly. It didn't do anything yep. until Jeff Johns wrote, you know, Aquaman number one where he used the trident to flip a car. Yep. Um, or maybe it was in Brightest Day when the trident became important. I, I don't remember which. But, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Garth being part of sort of the Aqua family is nice, seeing that. And he is wearing a, a sort of... The camo suit, a mod- modified version of the camo suit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the so, mini from the nineteen eighty four miniseries. Yeah. Yep. Which he later wore as Tempest. He wore a red version as Tempest, but here he's wearing the blue version. And I noticed he, and maybe I missed this in the previous issues. I, I don't know, but he's got the tattoos on his face, the Tempest tattoos. Mm-hmm. Did he have that in the other issues by Colin Bunn? I don't remember that being there. Uh, I don't remember. I really I don't. don't I don't. I don't think so. So it was nice to see that. I, I, while we lost a lot of what the development they did with Garth, you know, after Flashpoint, um, it's nice to see you know them giving him whatever they can at this point. And there's some good jokes in there about googling for the first time and all that. I mean, the humor worked, and that, you, the way you described Mara as just being charming and really won over the audience, she won me over in that speech. <laughs> it was the dialogue was so good and so clever the way he did that, and the way she you know interacting, asking people what they're wearing in the audience. I mean, it was genuinely charming and uh i could i could absolutely see why she won the reporters over yeah it was it was solid all around i said that i thought the the humor was nice it was just nice to see a fun upbeat i mean not that the last issue wasn't but the last issue was really just to me a prelude to this i mean in terms of the last issue was just a conversation it was really just trying to like reestablish some relationships and this is more where he's going and uh it was nice to read a fun Aquaman comic again where the characters are getting along and they're a team and they're doing their own thing too. I liked all the supporting stuff. I thought the FBI agents were fun. I, I, I enjoyed the opening bits where the cop is making all the Jaws jokes and they're like, you know, yeah, right. making all these jokes. And it's like, you know, this. why are you making a joke? This doesn't seem to be very funny. Someone dying of a shark attack. And then you realize, well, they died of a shark attack in a pool on top of a skyscraper. How can you not have some gallows humor when it comes to a bizarre situation like that? Right. And, you know, we didn't even touch on – I don't know that it needs to be a lot, but the the whole sort of um, 
allegory? I don't know if that's the right word. It's it's kind of a too big a word for me, so I'm not sure I'm using it right. But about racism, basically. Uh, um, surface world racism. You know, we everyone assumes that someone comes from the water, they're Atlantean, and it turns out the bad guy's actually a, a surface dweller, not even Atlantean. Right. So, I mean, that was, you know, that... I wonder if there'll be downstream ramifications from that, or if it just is just a really powerful piece as, as Atlantis declares, you know, its place up in the in the surface world. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes with it. It's... it's, it's, it's I think Abnet is off to a good start, and like I said, he's going to be taking over the title when it reboots it and so i'm yeah i'm very happy about this twice a month that's exciting and the art is going to be by brad walker who's terrific i really do like his stuff and we've already seen some of the aquaman art that he's doing and it looks really nice and they're in the aquaman's in his classic uniform and for the cover for for aquaman rebirth number one mira is in her classic outfit she's not in the aquaman aquawoman outfit she's in her regular outfit no when you say classic outfit is he what color is he wearing? Is it the uh, I forget. collar? I the... forget. I forget what color. But it's okay. you know, it's the costume he's got here. It's got. Well, the... I know. I just it's when I think of classic Aquaman, it's got like a, a deep neck. You know, like right. it's open, and then the new one's got the Mandarin collars. And I think it's the Mandarin collar. That's fine. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just curious. Now, is he going to be drawing both issues each month? I that bl- would be a bit of a surprise. I think it's like Brad Walker, Jesus Marino, and a third person. So I have to figure that. Okay. They're Probably really. Sp- I, I hope they're not alternating. I wish, like, I would be. I would. I would prefer that they like break each issue up and, you know, figure out a way that they can all do one issue together. I don't oh, know how okay. that would work, but I would prefer not to have a different pencil or every other issue. To me, that would be a little discordant. I'd rather see, you know, Brad Walker do layouts, Jesus Marino do finished pencils, and the other guy do inks or some combination thereof. I. I would prefer that, but it's probably more practical to do it the way you're suggesting. Well, I know the Wonder Woman book is doing that, uh, but they're purposely telling two different stories. Like, ah, okay. He, okay. He, Greg Rucka is doing it. Like, even and if I'm getting this wrong, I'm just this is off the top of my head from watching the Rebirth video with Dan at, at WonderCon. Uh, if I remember, there like one story will take place, you know, a certain time period and another story. So even issues will cover one topic, odd issues will cover another topic. So it's almost like two different stories every other issue. Okay. All so. right. Now, Jesus Marino, didn't he do Aquaman and the others? Wasn't he the artist? Uh, no, he worked. I think he was the inker. Oh, okay. Uh, Vicente Cifuentes was the pencil. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right. All right. Well, great issue. Love it. I'm, I was very pleased, very excited. Um, and you mentioned the, this is different from the previous issue. I, I got to tell you, 49 is also like one of my favorite Aquaman comics in a long time. Reminds me a lot of when Chris Claremont used to do this with the old X-Men, where you'd have action, action, action. And then you'd have an issue with, you know, Kitty smoking Wolverine cigar, having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, those are some terrific issues of X-Men. Those, those non, yeah, yep. those little character beat ones. Yeah, they were, and, they were great. And I think, honestly, I think, I mean, I'm not saying anything against Aquaman number 50, but I think Aquaman 49 is an issue I'm going to remember for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I can't wait to see where it goes. Woohoo! Yeah. Now, before we go to break, uh, I did want to mention because we have, again, we have not done a show together in a while, uh, at least a, a fire and water. Nice. A fire, yes, a fire and water. Is there is some more Aquaman news that we do want to get to? Is first of all, uh, they have officially cast Mira. Uh, it's going to be Amber Heard. Woohoo! Uh, I, I, I initially, yeah, I mean, that's. Um, Smoking hot. Yeah. Now, I, I, I initially was not thrilled with that because I was just sort of like, all right. I was kind of hoping they would go for somebody a, a little more of kind of the brainy type persona. I can't speak to her as a person, 
But, you know, because Momoa is clearly going to be more savage Aquaman, and I was hoping maybe they would counterpoint that with somebody who was a little more refined as Amira. But I've only seen Amber Heard in a couple of action movies. She's been doing some slightly more kind of highbrow stuff lately, so maybe she's capable of that. I have no idea. So I'm like, okay, she certainly looks the part. Uh, I'm more excited about the idea that Amira is going to be in the Justice League movie. Uh, oh, is she going to be in that? Too? Yes, yes. Oh wow! Yeah, so that means they're going to be doing a lot of Aquaman in the Justice League movie. It's not just, hmm. yeah. So that's kind of really uh, exciting news. So that's or, that, that's a big deal. Maybe she's not cast as Mara. Maybe she's cast as Aquawoman. Uh, I'm maybe, kidding. Yeah, all right, <laughs> take a breath. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What are you doing to me here?" And then the other, no. the other, well, yes. Okay. I I just want to say with uh, Momoa, I'm not giving up hope that Aquaman is going to be. Savage in battle, but still be very regal and intelligent when he's not in battle. I don't think there's any reason why you can't have that, and it would be a good departure for some from some of the roles he's played. And uh, I, I'm still holding out hope. Uh, yeah, I can only go by what I've seen him in, and and he has. I've seen him in two things: Game of Thrones and Conan, and mm-hmm. both times he played a brutish, silent action hero. He did not play someone who talked a lot. Doesn't mean he's not capable of it. I don't know. He's watch, on a, watch Stargate Atlantis if you want to uh, see that. No, I'm not doing that. There's a show. <laughs> uh, there's a show he's on called Red Road, uh, which is not anything. He's not like sci-fi. It's not a genre. It's like a thriller. I don't know how much he talks on that. I have no idea. So he may be capable of all those things. I just. I literally just don't know. But I just thought it would be interesting to have cast someone just of a different kind of. Type. I don't even know what I'm saying because it's not like Amber Heard and Jason Momoa are similar types. It's just I've seen Amber Heard in things and they're all action movies. I've seen Jason Momoa and they're all action parts. So it's like, okay, they cast two action people. Maybe they could have gone to the contrast. But again, I don't know. Amber Heard was just in a movie called The Danish Girl, which is a very Oscar baity kind of, you know, very highbrow movie. And she's in that. So maybe so. But again, I'm just excited that she's going to be in the movie, in the Justice League movie. That's a big deal. And I was talking to Joe, who runs the the Twitter feed, and he was suggesting that the whole Unite the Seven poster, which they issued last year, is Mira going to be the seventh member of the Justice League? Because they have said Green Lantern is not in this movie. So if if you're talking... Good point. I mean, he's supposed to be the seventh, as I understood it, but if he's not in the film... They flat out have said he's not in Justice League Part 1. They've said that. So now you're talking Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg. Well, who's number seven? Well, maybe it's Mira. That would that would break up the sausage fest a bit. I mean, and would, oh, and they, there's even a reference to that in, the, in Aquaman number 50, where she talks about being in the Justice League. And she's like, wow, two women in the Justice League at the same time? Can we do yeah. that? <laughs> so maybe so. Then the other news is that James Wan has been out, the director of the aforementioned Aquaman movie, has been out giving statements about what he intends the movie to be like. And I like what I'm hearing. He's talking about that it's going to be a swashbuckler. It's going to be fun. The F word, fun. Uh, It's going to, like, I I don't know whether this was all scheduled or this is an effort on WB's part to kind of head off a little bit of the criticism that BVS is getting for being kind of so heavy that they're kind of like, let's get, James Wan out there to talk about how fun Aquaman's going to be. I don't know. Maybe they planned this already. I mean, WonderCon was already coming down the road. But anyway, he's talked about that he wants it to be a fun adventure movie with sea monsters. That sounds good to me. So 
so far, I like what I'm hearing about the movie. Yeah, I, I read the article, and he was he was very complimentary towards Warner Brothers on how they uh, they let the director set the tone of the films and all that. And I think that'd be great. I like it when you have a franchise, and yet the individual films feel different from each other. Yeah, as you know, it should be. Sure. Captain America are the, are the espionage movies of Marvel, you know, and, and things like that. And I, I like that different sensibility. Yeah, I think that's terrific. That's a great. Marvel's doing it that way. They've got Doctor Strange coming this year. That's going to be different than all the other movies. It just has to be. So, yeah, I uh, I'm very excited. It's seeing Aquaman on the screen for 15 seconds was was really exciting. I can't imagine what it's going to be like next year seeing him in Justice League and then a year after that seeing him in his own movie. It's just more than my puny little brain can, can handle. I got to tell you, the guy's super funny too. I saw him at Dragon Con uh, many years James ago. James Wan or Jason Momoa? I'm sorry, Jason Momoa. Okay. Uh, right after Stargate Atlantis was, was ended and he was hysterical on stage. He was so funny. Mm. Sharp comedy, uh, some physical comedy and just in, in funny great. Did he guys, crush so. someone with his bicep? Was that the humor? Just, well, n- well, he was threatening to hurt them. one of his fellow panelists. That's where uh, some of the humor okay. came from. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, his bicep is like the size of my head. So. <laughs> well, folks, uh, with that, I think uh, Rob, you said we're going to go to break. Yeah, let's go to break. We'll play some promos, and when we come back, we'll talk some Firestorm. We're not just going to talk Firestorm. We're going to talk a brand new Firestorm comic written by Jerry Conway. Believe it or not. Hi, friends. It's your old pal, Adam Worth. You may remember me from podcasts like Comic Book Fight Club, The Quantum Cast, and the thousands of other shows I somehow get roped into making guest appearances on. The podcasting world has been very good to me, and I feel it's about time that I give back. So coming this spring, I'll be helping to make the world a better place with my new show, The Bad Advice Show. Join me and a few choice panelists as we answer your questions on life, love, relationships, history, life hacks, and politics. Really, whatever topics you feel you would like to get my valued opinion on. So hop on the advice train as we make the world a better place coming this spring to an internet streaming device near you. To have your questions answered on The Bad Advice Show, send us an email at thebadadviceshow at yahoo.com. That's thebadadviceshow at yahoo.com. And remember, kids, if you want to remain anonymous, don't tell me your name. Hi, I'm Kyle Benning, and I love comics. In fact, I love them so much that I ramble on about them on a number of podcasts, all on one feed, under the King Size Comics Giant Size Fun banner. I talk about comics with extra page counts, like Treasury Comics, Prestige Format Books, DC's Dollar Comics, Marvel's Giant Size Specials and King Size Daniels, and much, much more. I also love to talk about DC's Christ on Multiple Earth crossovers, free comics from special promos, free comic book day, Star Wars, my life as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, random comic book back issues, and many other elements of geek culture that happen to strike my fancy. There's new content usually dropping at least once a week, and it's all found on one feed. You can subscribe via iTunes. Just search for King Size Comics Giant Size Fun in the iTunes Store or podcast app on your iPhone. Otherwise, you can follow the podcast at the King Size Comics Giant Size Fun blog headquarters. 
Available at www.kingsizecomics.giantsizefun.blogspot.com. That's all one word. Kingsizecomics.giantsizefun.blogspot.com. Or follow on Facebook by simply searching for King Size Comics Giant Size Fun. So for snappy review and discussions on comics, new and old, usually done from the front seat of my car or my lunch break at work, check out King Size Comics Giant Size Fun. And we're back. And I got to tell you, I have been waiting 30 years, and I'm not exaggerating, to hold a brand new Firestorm comic in my hand written by Jerry Conway. I am so excited about this, and it did not disappoint. I, I, I'll just leave with that. I don't care if people are waiting to hear my opinion. I, I'm excited. I love this comic. I'm a little predisposed to probably like it anyway, but it was <laughs> a, a little. <laughs> a little. I just said 30 years waiting, right? But I could also have been like 30 years worth of disappointment. Who knows? But no, this was a great comic. It's solidly written. Jerry Conway's such a good writer. So, tell you what, let, let's get into this, folks. Um, the comic is called Legends of Tomorrow, and obviously they're borrowing the title from the, the television series, even though Firestorm's the only character that uh, is from the television show. It is an 80-page story with four individual stories within it. Firestorm's the lead story. There's also a 20-page Sugar and Spike story. There's a 20-page Metamorpho story and a 20-page Metal Man story. We're not going to touch on those for the purpose of time here, but definitely uh, pick up the comic, read all four stories, enjoy the hell out of this because it's, it's a great comic. It's an anthology. Cover. We've been talking about it for years. We want the anthologies to come back. So yep. buy the anthology. <laughs> I mean, if you get the sticker shock of seven ninety nine, and you're like, whoa, hold on a minute. Think about it. Break it down. That's only, uh, what, $1.99 per story, right? And they're but, full length. I mean, the, the, exactly. story, the stories are – I was surprised when I bought it that I didn't really – I kept reading – I was reading the Firestorm story, and it just kept going. I'm like, isn't, isn't this stopping at eight pages or something? <laughs> I'm like, no, okay. So, yeah, it's actually really no more expensive as if you bought all four. It's much cheaper, actually. Cheaper, it's only a dollar yeah. ninety nine per comic, really, yeah. if you think about it that way. The truth is, what it was is a bunch of miniseries they put together as an anthology instead. Is what ended up happening, and it's heck of a bargain. So, all right, we get a cover by Aaron Lepresti and Chris Sotomayor, and it's Firestorm coming at you. And then there's inset panels of the other three stories. The comic, uh, the, I'm sorry, the the story itself is entitled "United We Fall, Part One." Written by Jerry Conway. Oh, feels so good to say that. <laughs> Penciler, Eduardo Pen- Pensica. I am terribly sorry. I am sure I said that wrong. Uh, you have my apologies. Inker, Rob Hunter. Letterer, Corey Breen. Editor, Jessica Chen. And then it has the note there, Firestorm created by Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. Yay! Very nice. All right. 20 pages, seven distinct scenes. If you if you step back and try and look at what this story is really about, you look at it at a 10,000-foot level. It, it, this is the st- you know what? That's my thing. Okay, I don't talk. I don't make fun of you when you talk about your little guy that talks to fish. All right, just, just step off. So, at a ten thousand foot level, I said is... it again. <laughs> what? You said it again. I'm gonna say it one more time. You keep interrupting me. At a ten thousand foot level, this is the story of two young men. Both are growing up, and each dealing with their own big life events that's happening right now in their private lives. And it's bleeding over into their superhero lives. One of the boys is overly confident and acting impulsive. And the other boy is stressed in trying to make his father proud. And again, those are influencing their activities as a superhero. All right. So, folks, again, I mentioned this. This is a brand new comic. It's it's six issues. Uh, Well, we don't know how long Legends of Tomorrow is going to go as an anthology. But the Firestorm story is a six-issue story. So, 
this is important. Please go out and buy this comic. Show your support, okay? When the story opens, it starts. It opens in Star Labs, and we find Firestorm, who is composed at that point of Ronnie Raymond and Jason uh, Roush. They are testing the limits of their powers. Uh, Professor Stein is there. He's conducting the tests, and he's advising Ronald. Yes, he calls him Ronald, not Ronnie. Oh, I've missed Stein so much. Um, he advises Ronald that he's moving too fast to do a proper analysis. And Ronnie's all overconfident, though. He's completely confident in his abilities and his transmutation powers. Keeps repeating that, I got this. He keeps the phrase, I got this. Says it several times. Meanwhile, Jason is actually uh, advising caution. Jason even says at one point something interesting. He says he's losing sync. We don't know what that's about. Hmm. Put a pin in that. Remember that. Anyway, turns out Ronnie didn't have this. And in a gorgeous splash page, Firestorm crashes, splitting Ronnie and Jason into their separate forms, and they bounce along the ground, which is kind of humorous, actually. Stein puts out the fire while talking about the instability of the Firestorm Matrix. And uh, Stein's lamenting that he doesn't have his old research notes on the Firestorm Matrix of the project, and even goes as far as to mention his old research associate, Danton Black, who is uh, also a foe of Firestorm called Multiplex. Then we get our first glimpse of the, the real impact on Jason. You know, before he mentioned he's, he's uh, losing sync. Well, we've seen him now. He's struggle, struggling physically. He's, he's got, he says he's got a horrible headache. Looks like he's sort of leaning on the wall for support. Something's not working right. Uh, they talk for a little while, and then they decide it's time to go home. So Ronnie and Jason transform back into Firestorm. They fly home. When we come back to the, our characters, it's just before midnight, and the boys are spending a little time with their rents. And uh, by the way, my 16-year-old stepson felt the need to explain to me what rents was the other day, saying parents, as if I'd never heard the term. And then when I shocked him to explain that we used the term when I was a child as well, over 30 years ago, it blew his mind. He also believed that his generation invented the meme. So, you know, kids. (laughs) So uh, we get a nice scene of Ronnie and his mother together, and she is about to take on this new job as the vice principal, uh, presumably of of Ronnie and Jason's high school. Then we also find out that Ronnie's got a big football game tomorrow, the next day. It is the last intramural playoff game before the big state championship. So he is, he's got that on the brain. Meanwhile, we see a visit with Jason, and he's there with his dad. And Jason is very stressed about his interview he has the next day. He has an interview for an academic internship with a company called Glowtech. And uh, Jason's really nervous, and he wants to make his dad proud. But his dad comes across as a great guy saying he's proud of Jason's heart. Not, not, he's not as worried about what Jason does with his mind as he does with, what he does with his heart. Nice scene. I like that. Uh, and at the end of it, both boys are texting the same girl, going back and forth with the girl, asking if they'll be there for him the next day. Then we get an interlude. We meet a scientist named Dr. Marla Cunningham, and she's in a taxi cab that is attacked by a legion of multiplex duplicates. They're, um, they're very interested in her work on what they call positive feedback loops in nuclear fusion cycles. You know, that old thing. Uh, they kidnap her, and then we start to see something very interesting with multiplex. The different multiplex duplicates actually have slightly different personalities. In fact, they each kind of go about suggesting she call them different names. One of them says she should call him Professor Black. Another one says Multiplex. Another one says Danton. Another one says Dan. Hmm, something's going on there. Next morning at school, we catch up with Ronnie and Jason and Ronnie's pal, a guy named Eddie, and this girl that they were both texting last night named Tanya. You may remember Tanya uh, from the old Firestorm stories from the New 52 series. So Ronnie and Jason are both sort of vying for Tanya's attention, and neither one of them really winning. And she, you know, during the conversation, she, she does come out that they're her best friend. So clearly both boys are stuck in the friend zone with Tanya, so ouch. We spend a little time also with Ronnie's friend Eddie, 
Then we meet a friend of Jason's, uh, an intellectual rival named Monica Littman. And these are two new characters we've been introduced to. Hopefully, I, I love it when they introduce new uh, subplot characters. Hopefully, they'll stay around. Then the football game commences on Milgram Field. Love that. And Ronnie is the quarterback of the football team. The coach has assigned the play to the team. But Ronnie takes it upon himself to change the play. He opts for a running play instead of a field goal. And as I say these words, I realize that these terms are probably completely foreign to you nerds. But trust me, they're football words. And then uh, the change in play actually pays off, and he wins the game. Incidentally, this play also allows Ronnie to score the winning touchdown himself. The coach is furious, even though they won the game. He's, uh, he mentions to Ronnie that Ronnie needs to learn teamwork. He needs to learn how to take direction and how to share responsibility. Not coincidentally, these are exactly the same problems he's having sharing the Firestorm Matrix with Jason. Tanya arrives in the locker room, and seriously, teenage girl in the football locker room right after the game? She's going to get a rep. She's not careful. Anyway, she's there because Jason has passed out during this all-important interview as his. Ronnie and Tanya rush to Jason. Uh, she's there with Ronnie's mom. They're trying to help Jason into a car. They're going to go see a doctor. And then they get talking, and Ronnie and Jason sort of decide they need to go visit Professor Stein instead. They're, they're worried this actually has to do with what was happening before with Jason losing sync and the stability of the Matrix. So they transform into Firestorm and start flying towards Star Labs. And at this point, Jason's still pretty out of it. You know, you see his floating head. He's kind of like dizzy and whatnot. And, and Ronnie continues to insist that, no, I'm responsible, Jason, trust me. On the way, Firestorm gets distracted because they see the semi-truck, a gas tanker, that's in trouble. Ronnie stops the runaway truck with his transmutation powers, but Jason continues to struggle. He's, he's having a hard time keeping it together. Everything starts to go wrong for Firestorm. Then we see over at Star Labs, Firestorm comes hurtling through the sky and smashes into the ground right near Professor Stein. And we see Ronnie yelling, screaming, Help, Professor! I think we're going to explode! And you see like the ghostly images of Jason and Ronnie screaming. Uh, very, very dramatic moment. And, and you really feel the tension rise You know, at that, at, the exact second, at that second. Makes a great conclusion. To be continued. So good! What would you think of it, Rob? Oh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it, it. I won't say that I was like, oh, God, I could totally feel like this was Jerry Conway writing the character again. But at the same time, like, it it did remind me of I – mean, we've been covering his classic stories uh, at the normal uh, review episodes. And the way he alternates the subplots and the way he – he really spent a lot of time with Ronnie, way more than I would have expected. Because um, normally it's a superhero comic, and it's you know you think it'd be much more Firestorm, but he really he was much more Ronnie than he was Firestorm. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and Jason too. Um, so that I feel like that was Jerry's influence was because he was always interested as, in as much of the human element as he was all the superhero stuff. So that feels like yeah, that's a Conway thing, and so that's what we're getting now that Jerry's back on the book. Um, I really like that football sequence. Mm-hmm. I don't know why exactly because a I don't care about football. Uh, to watch it in live action, you would think reading it in a comic book, you know, not since NFL Super Pro has football and comics been done so well, <laughs> but it was like, I don't know, it was Hell, really, hello. it was a Kickers really, Inc. Kickers, uh, Kickers Inc., that's right. Um, that was a really well done sequence. I think that was maybe just the, the work of the artist uh, in terms of just how it was staged, mm-hmm. but it was, it was like a really effective sequence. I was like, you know, I, I admit when I got to it, I sort of prepared to like just scan over, but I'm like, oh, this is really well done. I, you know, I don't want to see a whole football comic, but still, that <laughs> was really pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's more verbose 
than your typical superhero comic of the time now because nowadays it's like it's just so minimal dialogue yeah. and i think that's jerry's influence because he comes from an older school and where there was a lot more dialogue there's just a lot more talking and i think that's that's definitely jerry's thing and i enjoy that i like the characters conversing back and forth the firestorm action stuff is almost the the seasoning to this story as opposed to the, the main course and you know it's funny i i don't know I'm having a hard time identifying the Jerry influence specifically, as you're saying. I just, you know, I know that I read a solid superhero comic just now because I got a lot of different pieces. I got the superhero. I got the background. I met new characters. Seven different distinct scenes happen in this story. You don't get that in a modern comic nowadays. It's usually three scenes is pretty much what you get. So I... Maybe you know. Maybe I could say that's the Jerry influence. I don't know, but but Dan Jurgens also did an excellent job. I just know that I'm walking away feeling like I read a great, solid story and had a lot of the great Firestorm tropes. I started making like lists of different things. Some of the good Firestorm tropes that Jerry definitely had in here was Professor Stein testing the powers. That's kind of a thing. You get the two characters that are in the Firestorm Matrix bickering with each other. That's always a joy. He called Ronnie Ronald. It just makes my heart sore whenever he does that. You get a lot of teenage angst. In this case, they took the time to give us three different things that they're angsty over. They're angsty uh, with their parents. You've got angst over the school responsibilities and in, in football and stuff. And then over this girl. He developed all three of those in such a short period. You know, we, we find out Ronnie's in trouble with his coach, which is a very classic thing in Firestorm. And Jason worrying about his relationship with his dad, also another classic Firestorm thing. Very exciting. And then as far as some of the solid storytelling elements, I mentioned earlier, the, the solid three-act structure. It, it's here. You get the opening. You get I, I don't remember the right terms for the three-act structure, but you get you know the introduction, the rising action, and, and the climax. And you've got all three of that in the story. Very nicely built well. You felt like you read, not necessarily a complete story because it's clearly part one of the story, but you felt like you got your money's worth. Even if I paid three ninety nine for this comic, just for these 20 pages, it, I still would have felt like I got my money's worth. Can I say something that, that was not in here that's, to me, a very Conway-ism? Okay. At no point does Firestorm turn something into, like, a giant teddy bear or some other weird shape. He does that in every issue of the classic series. And then they that's didn't true. do that here. But, I mean, this is a very heavy action. And, I, and it wasn't, it's not meant as a criticism. I just thought that, to me, would be the hallmark of a Conway Firestorm story is if <laughs> Firestorm turns something into something funny. You know, he's Statue of Liberty into a giant water balloon. He was always doing that in every issue. He hasn't done that yet, but we're, yeah. just, we're just one issue with Well, there was only two opportunities for transmutation. Exactly. One was transforming right, right. a wall into gas, and the other he transformed the road into sand right. to slow down the truck, which I thought, by the way, was a really clever way to stop the truck. But, yeah, I'm willing to bet. You know, we got six issues here. I'm willing to bet we're going to see some wackiness. Yes. Maybe a giant rubber duck or something. I don't yep. know. We'll see. What else do we get? Oh, I like the buddy story developing between Ronnie and Jason. I mean, there's some rivalry, but there's some buddy developing, which is pretty cool. The subplot building with with Multiplex. Now, when I interviewed Jerry a few episodes ago of this show, Jerry did mention, he even said, well, I'm kind of giving something away, but that's okay. Which we're going to find out that apparently Multiplex, the different versions of Multiplex are different possible versions of Multiplex. They're not just duplicates anymore. So that's why you're getting the different personalities. So I'm really fascinated to see where that goes. I can't wait to find out where that goes. That should be really cool. Then, uh, you know, obviously Jason being sick, that's an interesting development. If you have read ahead, folks, to the future solicitations, you know where this story's going. Um, I don't necessarily want to spoil it for you here, but Jason being sick is a real big clue, and Professor Stein being in the story is a big clue. So we'll, we'll see where that ends up going. Now, the, the, the splash page is absolutely beautiful with Firestorm out of control. I love that, and I especially love the next page. Uh, they're not numbered, so I can't tell you page numbers, but when Firestorm flies and bounces off the ground and, like, 
bounce, bounce, and then they split as part of the bounce. I just think that's I like I imagine that an animated version. You know, like doink doink boof. Like I can totally see that in my head. I would just love to see that. And the artist is really you mentioned some of the artwork, like the football scene was exceptionally well done where Ronnie's leaping over the crowd. He's you know, the touchdown where he's got the ball right in the foreground and big touchdown letters is great. And he draws Ronnie and Jason as teenagers. A lot of artists have a hard time drawing teenagers. They look like adults. Yeah, they, right. They look, yeah, yeah. The, a lot of times it'll be just you know, adults with a backpack, you know, or something, or a hoodie. <laughs> but no, these look like teenagers. He did a really good job capturing that. And a lot of the, the dynamic action, because Firestorm's supposed to be, even when it's just the teenagers talking, there's supposed to be a sort of dy- dynamic feeling to the scenes, and he really sets that well. It was a great establishing issue. Uh, Professor Stein, who's my personal favorite character in the Firestorm Matrix, didn't get a lot to do this issue, but I think that's because this is intended to be an establishing issue for people who haven't read Firestorm before. And I think it sets the stage. I think if you don't know anything about Firestorm going in, you now have a really good idea on Ronnie's personality. You know he's impulsive. You know he doesn't follow directions and he's not sharing the Matrix well. You know Jason's a, a, a big brain kid, but something's wrong with him. He's not doing well, but he's got a good heart. You know, you know these things about the characters already. You know, Stein is sort of the absent-minded professor. It's, it's building quite well. Um, all right, so there's some Easter eggs in here we're talking about. You know, I mentioned the one, Milgram Field, which is hysterical. Right. Did you catch the streets that Ronnie and Jason live on? No. Ronnie lives on Cayenne Drive. Okay. Oh, okay. And Jason lives on Broderick Boulevard. <laughs> okay. All Isn't right. that awesome? Now, there's something in here too, Rob, on our Who's Who podcast. You and I have talked about this a few times. And I'm wondering if you noticed, when you draw a floating head with a character, right? What what's your pet peeve, Rob, when someone draws a floating when, head? When, when someone draws the neck, too, because it just looks – for some reason, it looks more like a severed head when you have the neck than as you just draw the, the skull. Yeah, the neck just makes it look like you've been beheaded. Yeah. So, unfortunately, this version of Jason we do see does have the neck. neck. Yeah. <laughs> So, and if you go back and look at the classic ones, we never saw Stein's neck. It was always just his head. So, yep, yep, you know, yep, yep. just, you know, worth pointing out and a little funny. Now, Rob, you know, on the history of this show, you and I, we reviewed the new 52 series of Firestorm. Uh, it started off as Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Men. Then it became uh, Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man by Dan Jurgens. There are some good, there's some stuff in here that I was very impressed with that Jerry just picked up and carried with, carried on with from the new 52 run that had nothing to do with his Firestorm ever. But it, he worked it seamlessly into the story and made them important elements of the story. Um, Ronnie's mom, who was never around till the New 52, you know, she's she's a key part of this story here. Tanya, the the sort of the, the love affair, the love the girl that the boys are vying for affection, that was a thing in in the previous run, both Van Skyver and Jurgen's run. He just picks that up and runs with it here. I, he could have just walked away from those elements. You know, there's yeah. no reason he had to pick them up. I love that he did. They're, they're in Walton Mills, which is in um, uh, Minnesota. Same, that continued over. Uh, Jason's dad, and uh, with his missing arm, carried on those elements. Now, I wonder if Dan, Dan Jurgens had set up a storyline where Ronnie's mom and Jason's dad were starting to develop a bit of a relationship. I wonder if that's still going on here or not. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. It would also create a lot of stress between those two, you know? Mm-hmm. There's one more New 52 element that did not get mentioned, and I'm thrilled with that. And I hope it doesn't. There, there's, there's a story plot element that Jeff Johns introduced um, in pre-New 52, in the old universe. And then he brought it back in Forever Evil, which is that Firestorm is powered by the spark of creation. The, the Big Bang spark, 
The thing that set off the Big Bang is apparently at the core of Firestorm, according to Jeff Johns. I'm really hoping that Jerry doesn't play with that. <laughs> I've never, I have not been a fan necessarily of that plot point. Now, Jerry may have been given a directive to do it or whatever. Maybe he wants to run with that. I don't know. But hadn't been mentioned yet. I'm kind of hoping it stays that way. And uh, the last note I had here was, uh, you notice they introduced a new pal of Ronnie's, a guy named Eddie. I just thought that was a little bit funny because, you know, in the old days, Ronnie's buddy was always, uh, around high school, was a guy named Jackson uh, Jefferson, or Jefferson Jackson. So I, shame he couldn't be in this comic. I wonder whatever happened to that guy. I don't think he went anywhere. But you have no idea what I'm talking about, Nope. <laughs> okay, we've been reviewing Fury Firestorm, the classic series, for 27 issues, right? Yes. Ronnie's always hanging out with a, a friend from the basketball team. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Jax in Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, it is? Yeah! Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Other than the fact that we discussed it on the air a couple months ago. Oh, okay. all right, I'm supposed to commit every <laughs> single thing. We've done 100, as you said, we've done 160 of these previously. I don't remember everything. I have been committed to memory. I play them on a loop while I sleep, just so oh, I can, That's not you know. creepy at all. <laughs> All right, folks, Legends of Tomorrow, number one, uh, the Firestorm story was fantastic. It was a classic superhero story. It felt good to read. It was wonder adventurous. You learned a lot about the characters. Go pick it up. You won't regret it. And it's going to make a hell of a trade paperback. With those six issues together, you're just going to make such a great story. I can't wait. Oh. And I hope this is just the start of Jerry writing Firestorm again. Yes, hope so. Uh, I do want to mention just something, a little encounter I had with Jerry over Twitter was I went to my LCS to pick this up because, again, it's an anthology. And I was like, I, I, I always talk about DC should do anthology, so i got to go buy it. And I went to the store, and it was sold out. <laughs> it was sold out. And so I talked to the grumpy guy behind the counter. <laughs> and, oh, this guy, he is classic comic book store owner. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, I'll get some in later, or whatever, whatever. I'm like, okay. So I wanted to buy something. So I just decided this this store has a lot of um, back issues, tons of mm -hmm. back issues. And I have, uh, I was on my uh, my lunch hour at work, and I have my spinner rack in my office. So I was like, okay, I'll go pick up some. I pick up some old comics. I do this probably like once every two weeks. I pick up some old comics. I read them on my lunch hour, and then I just put them right on the rack. And so I went around, and I just I buy stuff cheap. Uh, in a sort of Professor Allen kind of <laughs> style, I try and find the cheapest stuff I can find. So I picked up like a Master of Kung Fu for two dollars, and so when I picked it, and I'm, I really am just zipping through the boxes, not looking for anything in particular other than the price tag. And they had Logan's Run, number one, the Marvel adaptation yeah, of the hit, the hit movie. Yep. And I'm like, oh, that'll that'll be fun to read. So I pick it up. I got it for like two dollars, and who was it written by? Jerry Conway. Isn't it uh, George Perez art? And it's George Perez art. So it's like yeah. that was totally worth $2. So I, I, put a, I took a picture with my phone of the comic and tweeted it at Jerry. Mm. And I was like, I couldn't, get, I couldn't get the Conway comic I was looking for, but I did get this Conway comic. And Jerry responded, and he goes, he's like, hey, nice purchase. He's like, uh, George did great artwork for that book. And I said to him, I said, Conway and Perez is a killer combination. So for 2 bucks, totally worth it. So now that book sits on my spinner rack as I work. That's awesome. You know, I, I was hanging out with Scott Gardner one day. We were in Orlando, and we were just trolling through a comic book shop. Scott Gardner from the great Two True Freaks podcast network, by the way. And uh, we were going through a 50 cent bin, and he found a Logan's Run number one in the 50 cent bin. And he pulled it out. He's like, oh, cool. I'll buy this. It'll be fun, you know. And uh, he got it home, and he, he, he I don't remember if he called me or tweeted me or whatever. The cover was signed by George Perez. Jeez. But – you know, as shocking as that is, uh, you know, 
Being in Orlando, though, where George lives in that kind of general area, I'm sure lots of people get signed comics by George Perez in, in that area. But how cool is that? Yeah, so, wow. That's amazing. And do you know who appeared first in a uh, Logan's Run comic book? Who first appeared? Yeah, in a backup. In a backup? No, I don't. Thanos. He first appeared in a Logan's Run comic? Yeah. I didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? That's in, yeah, that's very and, strange. And I'm gonna have to Google that when we get done to be sure I'm right about that. Yeah. Now you got me. Now you got me questioning myself. I'm, like, I'm, what? I'm pretty confident. Don't worry. The, the people will tell us in the comments if I'm right or not. <laughs> They're screaming into their Zonophones now. You idiot! No, we didn't. Speaking of comments, we need to go ahead and get to the listener feedback. Yes, I think. we do. Let's just jump right to it, folks. Let me. I mentioned to you at the top of the show that now this show is on its own feed. Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water podcast, and because we have added this new feed we have an itunes problem and we need your help (laughs) the original fire and water feed which is now the entire network feed for all of our shows has been great and you guys have been incredibly generous with your reviews on itunes i kid you not there's over a hundred reviews for the original feed out there on the internet and on itunes thank you so much guys now the new feed which is just this singular podcast aquaman and firestorm fire and water podcast has a whopping nine so, we need your help. If you gave us a re- review on the old network, I, you can even copy-paste. I don't care. <laughs> Just please consider going out to iTunes and giving us a review. I am going to real – Rob and I are going to blow through. We've got several of the reviews from folks, which were very generous, and we're going to read these. These are all iTunes reviews. So, Rob, you want to kick us off with the first one? Yeah, I just do want to mention before we start off, though, it's funny. One of the earliest reviews I think we got on iTunes was from Ryan Daly. And remember how, like, snarky his reviews were? Uh, and and now he's part of the network. Yeah, that's very. Fu- I just think that's very funny. And as 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 Lincoln, tell, tell you what, hold on, don't say anymore. Put a pin in that because we're going to talk. And I hate using that phrase. I can't believe I used it twice. Anyway, we're going to talk about that when we read his review. So just hold on to your thoughts okay. for just All a right. moment. All right, I ha- go ahead. Okay. All right. By the way, I looked up Thanos. He did not first appear in Logan's Run. Where did he appear? He first appeared in Iron Man number 55, February 1973. He did appear in a backup story in Logan's Run number 6, but that was in June 1977. So you were partly right. Darn it! So, okay, so, all right, fine. And that didn't make any sense to me just because I'm like, if he was created in a Logan's Run book, Marvel wouldn't own him, and they sure do. So. But he was created, but he appeared early. In So how far in his appearances was that, though? Four years. Okay. All right. So, okay. All right. Anyway, we got we got an iTunes review from Al Girding of the All Star Comics Review Podcast, which is a very fun show. One of the best podcasts out there. That's Al saying that about our show. It is so much fun following along the Firestorm and Aquaman books being covered in this podcast. The hosts are very entertaining. The whole network is a plus. Thank you, Al. Woohoo! All right, so the next one is a review from Ryan Daly from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. He does Secret Origins, Power of Fishnets, and Give Me Those Star Wars. As Rob mentioned, Ryan is very witty and a master of sarcasm. So listen to this review, folks. The subject line was, finally, a podcast specifically for the dual Aquaman slash Firestorm niche market. If you're fed up with the endless discussion and analysis of Batman, Spider-Man, and other so-called popular and successful superheroes, this podcast is for you. Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man of the Seven Seas, are given their proper love and respect from the show hosts Rob and the Irredeemable Shag, possibly an alias. Comic fans, geeks, and other social misfits will rejoice at the banter and reportage dished out in this podcast equivalent of Siegfried and Roy. If you're like me and grew up wanting to talk to fish... 
sorry, if you grew up like me and wanting to talk to fish like Aquaman, or set your head on fire like Firestorm, or replace your hand with a harpoon like Aquaman, or wear puffy sleeves like Firestorm, and maybe some kind of alternative universe pirate version of Aquaman, you're just wasting your time reading this review. Subscribe to the Firewater Podcast already. Fan the flame, Firestorm fans. Ride the dolphin, Aquaman Shriners. Hilarious. Very funny. So I sent Ryan uh, a message saying, hey man, thanks so much for doing the review. That was a riot. And he said, well... You're welcome, but I don't like you that much. All I did was copy and paste the review I wrote for you guys from four years ago on iTunes. So it's actually the same review he gave us on the other feed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was very pissy in the early days, very, very sarcastic. And uh, now that he – yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. He's mellower now, now that he's part of the network. And I can only think of the the, the phrase from Abraham Lincoln – Better to have them inside the tent pissing out than outside the tent pissing in. <laughs> I uh, I think he's just run out of funny bits. Uh, <laughs> Could be that too, but I'll, I'll take it. And I think this review is the first time I ever took notice of him, by the way, all, all those years ago when we would do feedback. And, you know, I, he had certainly done stuff, but it didn't resonate. This was the first time he resonated and thought, okay, this little prick somebody I'm going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's move on. Uh, we got an iTunes <laughs> review from Buck Roulette. That is, uh, by the way, that's my favorite gambling game, Roulette. Uh, <laughs> he says, Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Do you love superheroes that no one loves? Oh, come on, Buck. This is the show for you. Aquaman and Firestorm together like no one wanted. <laughs> Tune in next show as the dastardly Slipknot makes his first appearance and the host jumped the shark. All kidding aside, the show has been super fun from the beginning. The hosts, Rob and Chag, truly love these characters, and that really comes through in each episode of the show. If you know nothing about these characters or you're a fan of these characters for decades, this show is a fun look at each of them over the years. The hosts, Rob and Chag, have fostered a great friendly community of like-minded fans around the show, except for the aforementioned Ryan Daly. I have been listening for years. I look forward to each episode. It is great to see the show expand into a larger network of shows. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Buck Rowlett. That's very much, very, very appreciated. Brockwellite. Woohoo! Heard from Lil Chad Buckleman uh, from the Lantern Cast and the Ragman blog. He wrote, Nuclear subs unite in the new golden age of comic fandom. It's not hard to find a podcast devoted to comic books. It is, however, difficult to find a consistent podcast of quality that engages you both during the, li- um, sorry, during your listening experience and after. The Fire and Water podcast is just, uh, just such a show. The hosts, well, Shag doesn't know how to pronounce basic fourth grade words. <laughs> By the way, I'm proving as I read this review. And Rob, well, he's got that whole Aquaman fan cross to bear. So let's not pile on any more than we should. Uh, That's movie star Aquaman. Thank you very much. (laughs) Television star Firestorm. Anyway, um, otherwise, they make a super pair. As as comically antagonistic as it seems sometimes, they give this awesome podcast. So give this awesome podcast a listen and your support. After all, it's nice to give the elderly something to do from time to time. Thank you from little Chad Bokelman. Uh, we got an iTunes review from our pals Dallin, Darren, and Ruth Sutherland, who do the Warlord Worlds and Trekker Talk podcasts, and will soon be making an appearance on the Film and Water podcast. Uh, they write consistently fun. We've been listening to this podcast since shortly after it started and has remained a favorite of ours. It's an obvious choice for fans of Aquaman and Firestorm, but in addition, it offers a great variety of topics and fun conversations. Definitely recommended. Thank you, Sutherlands. Awesome. I'm I'm sorry. I'm delaying a bit because I'm I'm looking up Thanos. <laughs> I'm looking at I looked it up on Wikipedia. Well, what, I was trying I to figure out how like early it was. Like, I just told you four years. No, I meant like how many appearances years. he'd had before. No, never mind. I, I never liked you ever. 
So, all right. I uh, heard from Nathan Archer, who uh, actually has some self-published comics uh, in my hometown. He says, found my joy. Host Shag likes to advocate for finding your joy. And if you're a fan of Bronze Age or Modern Age DC Comics, consider your joy found. I love listening to these guys banter and berate each other. <laughs> All out of love, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Nathan. Um, every so, and every so often they talk about comics. But seriously, these guys know their stuff and have a deep passion for the characters that come through each episode. Go ahead and click subscribe. You won't be disappointed. The podcast is smoking hot. <laughs> he knows me. <laughs> Uh, the other Nathaniel, uh, the, well, I guess it's Nathan Nathaniel. It's the same name. Is it, is, is it well, like Nathan and Nathaniel and right. Nathan Nathan Archer is a nice guy and Nathaniel Wayne's a total D bag. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, he's bring from, it Nathaniel. He's from council of geeks, nineties comics retrial. Uh, although Shag misspells it here as retrail, but I managed to work through it. Do you wrote, like to compile all the feedback? No. No, I, I edit the show. I do enough. Well, whatever. You put the thing in the front and the thing in the back, and you go, shit, I got to work so hard on it. <laughs> That's a good invitation of me. He says, yeah. Nathaniel said, yeah, it's good. Oh, how I wish I could claim that it were otherwise, but the dulcet tones of Rob Kelly's marvelous, though underused, singing voice and the over-caffeinated squeaking of Shag somehow balance each other ideally. In all seriousness, you don't even have to be a fan of either Aquaman or Firestorm in order to get enjoyment out of this podcast, though it probably would make a good listening experience even better. <laughs> oh, Nathaniel. Thank you for that. We do appreciate it. Uh, last one for now comes from Chris Franklin, who's also part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network and with the Supermate Show. He calls us the odd couple of comics podcasting. I think that makes me Felix, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, I think so, probably. Yeah, okay, okay. anyway. How could a show about Firestorm and Aquaman become such a cornerstone of comic book podcasting? Because Rob Kelly and the Airday Mobile Shag have that certain something that's hard to quantify, but lots of fun to listen to. Their love for the subject matter is infectious. In addition to coverage of all things pertaining to the Nuclear Man and the King of the Seven Seas, the show also has a rotating features covering whacked-out stories by Bob Zaney Haney and the Whatever Happened To series from DC Comics Presents. If you listen to one comics podcast with bickering co-hosts, then you should be listening to this one. <laughs> well, folks, that is our iTunes reviews. Uh, we're going to get into a lot more feedback, but... Once again, this is me standing outside your window, holding a jam box in a dollar sort of way, <laughs> asking you to please go out to iTunes and leave us a review on the fire on Aquaman and Firestorm and the Fire and Water podcast because it will help other people find the show. It will raise the profile of it and uh, the, the community of people that listen to the show, which, by the way, collectively we're all called nuclear subs. Uh, will it will the group the community will grow and uh, we'll continue to have a lot of fun with each other. So. I like the idea of you in a duster with the boombox hanging over your head. Exactly. That's me. So we're now going to get into feedback. This is specifically feedback to episode 158, which was our last review show where we covered uh, Aquaman number 49 and the classic Fury Firestorm number 27. Now, by the way, we should have mentioned at the top of the show, we forgot, the classic Firestorm reviews are on hold for six months, folks. For two reasons. One, so we can cover Legends of Tomorrow, this new Firestorm story by Jerry Conway. And two, honestly, to have a six-month proper build-up to the introduction of Slipknot. I mean, I think that's important, don't you, Rob? Yeah, well, if, I, I don't know. If we do the math, six months, does that take us right to Suicide Squad? Uh, when's it come out? August. I I, uh, well, no. That, April, May, that, June, that July. All, but all right, that, it's, I, it's okay. It was it's a good close. try, though. It was, it was QV to try. Take your shoes off if you need to count that much. Um, first thing comes from Ryan Daly. He says, you had me at Silver Deer's fishnets. <laughs> yeah, we had to know that would be right up Ryan's, Ryan's alley there. 
Uh, we got an email from Ange, who does the Super Bo- Supergirl comic box commentary, who's been on this show. Uh, he says, Victor Cifuentes has pinched in a lot of Superman books, so I'm used to his style. I'm not surprised that Mira looks so good. One thing that I like about that final splash page of her in the Aquaman costume is that she kept the classic Mira collar, giving it a bit of her flair. About Firestorm, as I said somewhere along the way, I think this is a turning point in the series. Things went a little bit downhill for me after this. From Slipknot to the new Killer Frost, all the way to the wrestler who takes bad steroids, things seem to be in an orbital decay after this. As for this issue, I hate, all caps, hate the betrayal of doctors. Do no harm. It's our first rule. Any hospital where medical staff will let someone die in their waiting room without treatment, well, they're the supervillains. That is insane. Lastly, Rob singing Human League. Although the way it sounded, maybe it was more inhuman league. I picture, <laughs> I picture that is what Black Bolt sounds like. Nice. Nice. Now, as unbelievable as this is, I'm not sure I mentioned this when we reviewed Aquaman. Uh, Brett Booth's rendition of, of Mera as Aquawoman was smoking hot. And I apologize to the listeners at home if I didn't throw that sexist comment out earlier. It's uh, sort of my job. You're so busy taking credit for... Dan Abnett's line of dialogue that you didn't. Well, I did talk about Amber Heard in that way, so at least I, you know, kept some street cred. Right. All right. uh, Next comment comes from Alex. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, Ange, really? Firestorm, Orbital Decay? Screw you, buddy. Anyway, okay. Uh, Alex Osias uh, wrote in and said, "Glad to hear that you're enjoying the new direction of Aquaman." That's for you, Rob. And then he says, uh, I have to say that classic Firestorm had the hot women. Plastique, Silver Deer, and Firehawk. Man, what a great time for the character. Lastly, it's great to hear two friends. Wait, is he talking about us? <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> That's the episode that Frank and Ryan did. <laughs> it's great to hear two friends talking about comics they enjoy. Keep it going, you two. Also, I like what you've done with the network. And, uh, and then he, the, he talked about the... Atlantean embassies. Now he's in the Philippines, so he says he wants them to set up an embassy to the surface world of the, in the Philippines, and he kind of figures either Martian Manhunter or Aquaman are most likely the ones that would visit. Good luck on that, man. No, That'd not? be pretty yeah. cool if it happens. Uh, I love that he also mentions, he says, Crowded House, Human League, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. What a talent! <laughs> Referring to me. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then pivoting off of uh, the insults I took from my singing, Chris Franklin wrote in and said, I think Rob's singing was a plot by the Injustice League. Uh, you guys are all just jealous. Uh, the Aquaman issue sounds nearly like a Baba Ewing shower reboot, but I guess it's not completely. Either way, nice to see DC actually acknowledge their readership's displeasure over titles directions. Hear that, Superman people? Ouch. Uh, they're, they're about to go through a lot of changes over there. Yeah, well, all the characters are going to go through the whole thing. But uh, Davern Sutherland wrote in, too. He says, the monthly review episodes are always favorites. I know it's been difficult for Rob to speak to the recent run. While I didn't dislike the issues nearly as much as he did, I still felt a great sense of relief with issue 49. It felt like Aquaman again, which makes me worry about what might change following Rebirth. I'm remaining optimistic, however, because getting two great issues of Aquaman every month would be fabulous. I, I think we're in safe hands there. I mean, now that we know the creative team, I feel a lot better. Uh, he, then Darren went on to say, personally, I don't like Mira's new costume at the end. I much prefer her and Aquaman having different costumes, so I hope it's just a tease. Uh, well, we know now it's not a tease, but it'll be interesting to see where it's going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can see where his concerns might come from. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, Paul Hicks from the Waiting for Doom podcast wrote to say, great to hear Rob down with the current title again. It feels like there's balance in the universe. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't heard the Waiting for Doom podcast, uh, absolutely fantastic. So, And the other folks like Darren uh, Southern we mentioned a minute ago, we didn't give his credentials because we gave those earlier when right. we did the right. Warlord so. Worlds and Trekker Talk. Yeah, yeah exactly. I so, uh, heard from Alex Bowman. Alex said, uh, I never knew it before looking at this cover, but evidently I want to see Black Bison show up on the Legends of Tomorrow TV show now. 
Well, there you go. Glad to help you with that revelation. Now, um, Michael Crouch wrote in and t- talking about the Fury of Firestorm comics that are on Comicsology right now. You know, the, the the classic series we've been reviewing, they are slowly doling them out on 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 Comicsology. And I was griping last time that only issues one through three were out there, and I was all like, rah, rah, rah. well, folks, at the time of this recording, they've got issues one through nine and annual number one out there on Comicsology right now, all for a dollar ninety nine. And they're slowly doling them out. So it looks like they're going to continue to possibly do more. And so the way he put it was Michael said, hmm, three issues a week. And you and Rob are on issue, on episode, issue 27. Comicsology should catch up with you guys in about seven weeks or around issue 29 or 30. Then you can finally end your recap with this issue is available digitally. Oh, that would be a dream to be able to do that, man. That would be awesome. I've, I've bought every issue. Like, whenever they put them out there each week on D- Comixology, I just buy them right then and there. I don't care. I mean, I've got them, you know, the original copies, and I, I, don't, I, I want them. So, Also, I'm trying to show my support. So think about that, guys. $1.99 for the Firestorm comic digitally. Get out there and buy them anyway, even if you own them. Show your support. Otherwise, they may not, you know, continue to do more. Anyway, we heard from Martin Gray from Too Dangerous for a Girl. He said, I've been looking forward to this one especially. And he was referring to Aquaman number 49, reviewed by Rob, because he wanted to hear Rob enjoy reading comics again, which that's very nice. For that Martin. is very sweet, yes. Uh, Buck Rowlett, who is at, I love his handle uh, on Twitter. It's at Highball2814. Highball, <laughs> Highball sounds like a low end Firestorm villain. Well, wait, wasn't that, um, I think that was Hal's call sign for a while. Oh, was it? I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Hey, well. hey, Buck Roulette. Buck Roulette. Buck Roulette. Write in and let us know that for sure, please. Still, anyway, I like the idea. Of, I think there would be a guy named Highball, and he, like, throws cue balls at Firestorm or something like that. That's well, what the, I picture. the 2814 is clearly the GL Right. Yeah, that's, yes. Yes. <sighs> really? That's all? Never mind. Just read your comment. Anyway, uh, at Deft Up You Podcast, at Aquaman Shrine, at Firestorm Fan, had a really, really great time listening to the new show, as always, I guess that stops with this one. Thanks for the laughs. <laughs> Thank you, Buck. I appreciate it. Thank you, Buck Roulette. Buck Roulette. Buck Roulette. Then we heard from Al Gerding again, and he said, great episode and issue. It's my second favorite. Now, you've got to follow the logic of this, folks. It's my second favorite masquerade party attended by a female hero with the last name of Riley, whose super idea is fire something and attends with her father. And you're scratching your head there for a minute. He says, see All-Star Squadron number 44 with Firebrand. Danette Riley. We're that's a about. deep. That's a deep cut, Al. <laughs> and then he goes on to say uh, about as far as BVS, he says he wants to see Red B versus Airwave or Red B V Airwave. That would be no, awesome. Was, a movie, Red B Airwave movie. Anything with Red B. I love the Red B. He's like one of my favorite obscure, ridiculous characters. I, I, I picture Steve Carell as the Red B. Uh, that's my vibe I get from that. Every so often, uh, <laughs> we just get into this where where Al and I will get on Facebook and we just start throwing Red B references back and forth, and then he starts posting all these amazing shots of Red B from various comics. I don't... I think he's got a whole file on Red B. <laughs> got every Red B comic scanned. I, he just might. Yeah. Uh, our pal David Ace Gutierrez wrote in, and he quotes the show back to us. He says, Shag, this Aquaman reminds me of the Peter David Aquaman. Rob, mm-hmm, with an asterisk. <laughs> and then David adds, nobody nobody but Rob Kelly could load a mm-hmm with such contemptuous loathing. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were a huge fan of the Peter David Aquaman. I, I heard that on a podcast recently, didn't I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to run through a list of names real quick. These are folks that were kind enough to share our show on their own timelines, whether this would be Facebook, Twitter, Google+, whatever it is. 
we sincerely appreciate them taking the time to retweet, share, whatever our show and uh, help spread the word. Thank you very much. And the first two people are two comic professionals that I get to call out. First is Mr. Jerry Conway shared our show on Facebook, on, on Twitter. Thank you so much for that for Jerry. And then quite surprisingly, another Firestorm creator shared our show on Facebook recently, Ethan Van Skyver. So thanks, Ethan. He Hit the big a, time. Well, he just had a baby recently. Uh, so congratulations. His, wife, his wife probably did. That's a good point. Okay. You know, but I think he was pretty involved. So, All right. Running through these names fairly quickly, and folks, it does it is going to sound just like a long list of names, but that's because we want to give credit to every single person who is uh, involved with promoting the show, because you know what? This may be the only time I'm going to mention Clinton Robinson, but you know what? Uh, and I said, I said his last name wrong. Robinson, sorry. It may be the only time I mention it, but you know, he deserves as much credit as anyone else. So, All right, here we go. All-Star Comics Review Podcast, Ange, Barry Reese, Between the Pages, Bill Bailey, Bill Beer, Buck Roulette. Buck Rowlett, Cash Flag, Chris Franklin, City Geek, Country Geek, Clinton Robinson, Coffee and Comics, Comic Reflections, Dale Russell, Deca Black, Derek Burke, I think is how you say that. Burke, yeah. Dr. G Neurologist, uh, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Gareth Oliver, Jeremiah Parker, Jim Harold, Joe Slab, <clears throat> Keith G. Baker, the Kyle Benning Twitter Network, which is composed of Kyle underscore Benning. King Size Comics, Giant Size Fun, which is Kyle Benning Art, and Superman Cap Marvel. There's a reason for that. Luke Dobb, Matthew Thomas Cody, Richard Field, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ryan Daly, Shaq Flight of Khan, Thomas Trout, Trekker Talk, Van Z, Waiting for Doom, Warlord Worlds, and Willie Yarborough. Again, thanks to all those folks for sharing that information, for sharing our podcast on their social medias. And uh, I just want to read a comment from Kyle Benning. From the Kyle Benning Twitter network, wrote in to say, I only have three Twitters. That's no more or less than those Sutherland folks. Because <laughs> apparently Kyle doesn't like me making fun of all his Twitter accounts because he's got like 18 of them. So. It's a pain in the butt. I have like five or six. It's really complicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got these are people who gave us a like or plus one or favorited what we've been doing. Well, it's specifically to this episode, by the way. Right. Yeah, well, to the last episode. Yeah, 158. Yeah, not, yeah, they're not doing this one yet because they haven't heard it yet. Well, they're doing it right now. They're doing it right now. Well, of course. Uh, we got that from Raphael Kainan. Who's that guy? comics pro. Thank you. The, they, named, they named that street after him. Uh, we also got <laughs> things from Abel Badilla, Adam Ackerman, Al Sedano, Alex Rivera, Alexander Osias, Austin Koykendall, Bill Bailey, Bill Burr, Bill Carroll Irwin, Buck Rowlett, Buck Rowlett, Callum Nahr, Cash Flag, City Geek, Country Geek, Clint Robinson, there he is again, Corey Hodgden, Dale Russell, Down and Ruth Sutherland, David Ace Gutierrez, David Golding, Artist, Dawn of Joseph, <laughs> do you bleed, Derek Burke, Dexter underscore TTM, Django X Fett, Direwolf's Magic, Dr. G Nerdologist, Gareth Oliver, Glenn Walker, Herb Burnswell, Jared Gray, Jared West, Jeremiah Parker, Joe Slab, I'm not doing the hick, John D. Knoll, Jose <laughs> Rivera, just to, even though Stag, uh, Shag wrote it in, Jose Rivera, Justin Barlow, Justin Francoeur, Keith G. Baker, Kevin Culp, the Kyle, ben, the Kyle Benning Twitter Network, Kyle Petit, Luke Dobb, Luke Giaconetti, M. Anthony Gerardo, Manja Dinjal, Marty Light, Matthew Thomas Cody, Michael J. King, Michael Kirkland, Michael Fedick, Nicholas Prom, Paul Bowler, uh, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ryan Daly, Sean Emmons, the Sutherland Twitter Network, Sin, S-Y-N, Thomas Trout, Tim Wallace, Untal Marius, Van Z, Van Heistand, and again, Willie Arborough. 
you blew my joke. I, I even listed out the Sutherland Twitter network to point out all, every single one of their accounts to point out Kyle's right. They have just as many accounts as him. So, Kyle, I take back everything I said, buddy. And we appreciate your support anyway. You're welcome. <laughs> well, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And thank you so much in advance for going out to iTunes and writing us a review. See how that works? Just slip it right in there. Anyway, um, you can find me at firestormfan.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. You can find my friend Rob, and I use the term loosely, at aquamanshrine.net. You can also find him on Twitter and Facebook under Aquaman Shrine. You can also find him under... Uh, on Twitter under Film and Water Pod. And then, collectively, you can find us at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. You can, you can also find me on Twitter under pod underscore Dylan, because I have a Twitter show for my new show as well. Oh my gosh, that's too many. That's too, I know, I can't keep track of all that. Anyway, you can find uh, the Fire and Water Podcast Network is at fireandwaterpodcast.com. We're on also Facebook. There's a Facebook page for Fire and Water Podcast Network. There's a Twitter account, which is FW Podcasts, which is the same as our hashtag. And um, Rob, why don't you tell, us, uh, tell them uh, other ways to get in touch with us? Well, you can email us, which is fireandwaterpodcast at conquest.net. But you can also, I think the easier thing would just be go to the contact page on firewaterpodcast.com. That goes right to us, and that's a very handy way of uh, getting in contact. And a lot of folks are doing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, by the way, we will post several images from both of these comics, the Aquaman comic and Legends Tomorrow. We'll post that on our webpage, so you'll, you'll see the entry for this episode, which is the actual MP3 file. And then right beneath that will be the gallery post, which will have some of the images from the issues. So, anything else we want to share before we go? I think that's going to do it. It was, uh, all kidding aside, it was fun getting back together. We really haven't done this for like an entire month, and uh, it was a blast. This is, and, and you know what? We got to review two great comics, too. So That helps. Win and win. So, All right, folks. Until next time, fan the flame, ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Their hair. They stand for truth and justice. And see a land.